what do you think is better? Having 30 clients who only see you once a week or 10 clients who see you three times a week and why? So I've been on both ends of the spectrum um, in regards to my own business and also obviously seeing what uh, a vast amount of clients uh, and seeing them infrequently does and having more frequency. So um, I would always opt in for a lower amount of clients when it comes to face-to-face and seeing them more, more frequently, more consistently and frequently. And the caveat to that is at least in the first phase of their training with you, because what does that do? It creates um, familiarity. So you get, you really get to know them way better, which obviously improves the coaching experience um, by building rapport and understanding their lifestyle and et cetera, et cetera. You uh, establish really good habits with them. So that accountability of turning up for a session in the gym, what they've booked, again, creates those habits moving forward. Um, I think for those reasons alone, you will more than likely deliver way better results than seeing what someone one hour out of 168. And the big thing about this is that most people struggle more so with dealing with life outside of the personal training sessions. So if you're only having one point of contact um, in the initial training phase, when you're getting to know them, you're getting to understand their likes, their preferences, building that relationship, it's very hard to be able to actually coach. That's why a lot of trainers and coaches, when they only bring people on once a week, actually end up dictating a lot more, which then leads more often than not, way more often than not, to people not being adherent. So in my opinion, um, to deliver results, not to not for people to buy a bigger package, but to deliver better results, more frequency when you're dealing with general pop, um, is going to be way better um, than less frequency, I would say, for the vast majority of people. Um, but that doesn't mean that if someone's in after someone get embeds those habits and you get to know them and you can start to then taper down that frequency as they progress, which is great for both parties. Right. Um, plus being able to organize, coach, communicate, um, schedule 30 different people in a week is a nightmare, is a nightmare. Um, so that is my opinion on that. I, um, yeah, that is my opinion on that. If you want to coach and if you want to deliver results and you're working at a commercial facility with gen pop, higher frequency is always going to trump um, lower frequency for results, in my opinion. Um, okay. So one of my clients has been working with me in person for just over a year now she mentioned that she's hit five stone weight loss brilliant some of it on her own before working with me uh but a lot of it is whilst we've been training together so i got her to send me progress photos great they looked incredible so i got straight on posting them on insta the, then one of the pts in the gym sent me a post by a local online coach using her photos and a story saying her results were all down to his online coaching and that they weren't done yet 
I asked my client about it and she said the coach is a close family friend and she did a three-month trial with him before lockdown but didn't like it so it didn't continue send him a send oh she sent him the photo so i guess that's between them but from my point of view it seems pretty shitty and dishonest from the other coach to be taking credit for my work and i have done um and what i've done together over over the last 12 months I'm sure it happens all the time but it's never happened to me before how would you approach this um oh it's a difficult one it's a difficult one because they're if they're family friends then you I would always say get your client to approach that because obviously that's between them. Um, um, oh, it's a difficult one. There's two approaches I would take to this and it depends where your mindset's at and what you want from it. Um, the first initial thing that comes into my head is, is it going to directly affect your business? probably not um but at the same time it's i think pinging him or her a message just outlining a couple of things um i think that will i think that'll allow you to say your piece ultimately it's it's her that or your client that can ask for him to take that down or or make it a more accurate representation of what their 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 work has been together so um so yeah i if you know i would i would probably bring it up to the client in in a very um organic way um i would and see what i would take that as a first point of point of of action um and then see what comes back if she doesn't want to deal with it, which she's she's well within her rights to say that. Um, I'd maybe go directly to him, but at the same in the same breath, I would say to you, don't put too much energy into it. Um, it's a shitty thing, yes, but you know, usually when people are searching for fabricating results or fabricating testimonials or proof of concept that their business is in a pretty shitty way and that uh they haven't actually got anything else to show so i would let it maybe ride its course a little bit yeah it's a difficult one but that's maybe how i'd approach it um any i know i know you're on here mate so if you want to uh ping back any feedback on that I'll go back and forth you on here if you want. Uh, thinking about how I can further engage clients, maybe working more on solid time-based goals to help them focus. How far ahead would you roadmap their training blocks? Hope that makes sense. Save the bounties. Save the bounties indeed. Yes, indeed. I agree. Um, I would show I would show them as far ahead as it relates to their goal. Um, but I would give rationale and reason behind that those training blocks. So, you know, three, six months ahead, I would probably definitely show people of what that is going to look like. So they can, they can have an understanding of like the methodology of like the different blocks and then how the reviews come in, in between those blocks and why you're changing it to this and why you change it to that. And actually 
with their training, what they're aiming towards within that kind of training block. I, I think all of that helps, all of that massively helps. So I would say ballpark figure around three months. Um, again, depending on their goal, but I think giving them that context, making it simple for them to understand as well, um, gets people excited for the next training block as well. So um, yeah, I 100% think that's a huge thing that a lot of trainers don't do. And I think they should because um, it really helps people to see the next phases rather than just kind of the next session, so to speak. Um, and it also, I think, really helps with then performance-based goals in the gym and helps them get fired up for the actual sessions. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a <clears throat> great shout. How can I improve my coaching cues? I'm really struggling to improve technique with one particular client. Nothing I say seems to work. I end up giving up and painfully watching him complete the exercises with bad form. I come away with our sessions feeling bad at my job. Okay. Um, <clears throat> okay. So I'm going to go run through a few common mistakes that I kind of see a lot of. I think one of the most common mistakes is trying to cue way too much. Um, is trying to add so many different cues in there that people don't know what to focus on. So I would establish maybe one or two cues maximum per exercise um, and get them to focus on that to begin with. Often, more often than not, that would be in the setup, the initial, initial phase of the movement. The other thing that I would probably say is regress the exercise backwards and have you done foundational work? What, what point does that form break down? Um, I would try and recognize that. So, and obviously I think the types of cues that you use can be de very dependent on the person that you're working with um, as well. Um, you know, is it, is it visual? Is it um, verbal so they can understand? Um, does video feedback come into this to help them as well? You know, you, I've talked about this a few times last week with some of the guys. There's two apps that I would, I used before. Is uh, one is uh, Iron Path, um, and the other one, which is I think great, it's amazing for visual feedback. Is then the coach's eye, um, and you can give visual feedback and and basically draw on their angles and arrows and all that kind of shit. But it helps people to visualize what they need to do with their body. Um, so I would run down those three things first. I would, first of all, cut down on the amount of cues um, you're using. Um, start with maybe the initial setup and initial phase of the movement or regress the movement, regress the movement back, take a step backwards um, to take two steps forward a lot of the time. And that doesn't mean you have to, you know, you can, manipulate different variables to get the same intensity level or training stimulus out of that. Um, but look, if they cannot do a movement, that those are the probably the first steps I would go to. Um, I love that question because that's ace. Um, next one, I'm certain about how, I'm uncertain about how to present my pricing. I have several products and options. I want to keep it as simple as possible. Do you think it's better to keep all pricing hidden 
from my website and ask the potential client to inquire or should everything be laid out in the open at risk of being confusing for the client? I'm just seeing who this is. I won't say who it is. Okay, yeah. Okay, so if it is a, if it is a product, if you've got like a menu of products, okay, and a menu of services, um, you, I mean, I, if your service is a individual service based on the person that is coming to you, and that is the main core offering you want to proposition and grow, personally, I would give a range, a price range. So this is on your website, for example, this is the lowest price point, and this is the highest price point. Where you fit in between is completely dependent on you as an individual. To determine that, we go through the consultation phase, blah, 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 blah. If you've had a hell of a lot of people visit your website and you have a product or service or maybe one or two things that people just buy and that doesn't basically need you to prescribe it to the person, then I would do it maybe in a bit of a menu. Um, so, you know, like when you buy like car insurance or phones or stuff like that, it will have like all the different features of the service down the side and then the different tiers like i don't know basic intermediate and advanced and then it's basically ticked next to the feature of what's included in those different things um so that's maybe how you might present it if you've got some a couple of different services and products that people literally just buy right it's a standalone thing which doesn't need bespoking for the individual if it's an individual service, price range, and then prompt them to book in to determine that price range depending on the service that they need. So that's how I would recommend going about that. Oh, hi, Daisy. Um, how to work with clients who go quiet after experiencing a tough life experience, family member, um, loved one dying. Yeah, that's shitty, isn't it? Okay. Um, listen, I think you, I think you just need to, the person comes first in this situation. Um, so I would put the agenda and I'm not saying this is your agenda at all, but I would every, every now and again, every now and again, just drop them a quick text drop me a quick message and just seeking to see how they are. Um, open up the lines of communication, let them know that they're there, you're there for them when they need you and when they're ready. Um, and I think that's, to be honest, I think that's all you can do. Um, and if, again, if they're still quiet, again, I would just periodically just check in with them, see how they're getting on um, and give them, you know, when they're ready, they'll know that you're, available to them so that's the only thing i would say is keep the contact really light really breezy um just let them know that you're there for them um and if and when they are ready to come back or ready to get back involved or get their focus back in um they know a drop of a hat they can pick up the phone there's giving me no awkwardness there's giving me no judgment 
you know, you're there for them. And I think that's how I would advise and probably how I would, how I would deal with that as well. It obviously depends on the individual because you know them way better than me, but that's probably how I generically go about that. It's a difficult one, but I think you just got to be human first and um, business second for that. Um, mm. How to deal with clients who aren't trying outside of our sessions? Okay, right. So I'm um, assuming this is down to like adherence from whether they're coming in, doing the extra gym sessions, doing the extra sessions outside of the PT, steps, nutrition. I'm guessing that's what we're talking about here. Um, so how I would deal with it is I'm using this word intentionally here is try and create an intervention. Um, because the more we tell, the less that has impact, right? Um, so it need, you need to create autonomy in this space for people. And you also need to match their competence levels in the, at this time, because there's a couple of different things why people aren't adherent. A lot of the time people aren't adherent because um it's too hard and it may not be hard to us but it's too hard for them so they don't feel competent in doing it they're not feeling successful in doing it um there's maybe way too much to think about um autonomy hasn't been present um and those two are the biggest things in my opinion so how do we go about creating those things i would um, as an example, this has always worked exceptionally well because it puts it it allows you to have the type of conversation you need to have without almost reprimanding them, if you know what I mean. So let's think about the areas um, that they're non-adherent to or they're not trying um, outside the sessions, whether that's nutrition. Um, whether that's tracking, whether that's adherent to the check-ins, whether that is adherent to the steps, to the gym sessions. And I would ask them to rate themselves on how well they feel, or how adherent they think they are doing in those different areas. So let's say, dead simple, ask them a question, how adherent are you? Do you feel you're, you are to uh, tracking your nutrition? One being, dog shit three being you know smashing it every single day two being like i have like good days bad days good weeks bad weeks it's not consistent i would get them to answer those questions and then i would also rate them and i would set up a time where you allow them to discuss why they've rated them at why they've given themselves that score and why that is and then you have your piece to say right I've rated you these and this is the reasons why I think this and that opens up a conversation where it's like right well if you're thinking this over here and I'm thinking this over here well we're moving in two different directions so we need to bring this back together and maybe just start with one or two things first nail those big bang 
elements of the program which is aligned with your goal and then let's move on to the next thing so i think that scenario needs to be created and i think in that situation then you can start to create autonomy where you are effectively allowing them to have power over their decisions and over their behaviors but with you leading them in the right direction right so you might be as an example this is a quick example very pro my fitness pal for tracking but actually they just not getting on with it right because it's confusing them because these when they put their food in these numbers are telling them they can eat more because of the exercise blah blah, blah right so it might be digging into the reason why that is confusing and that might be simply going back and walking them through how to use it and what these numbers mean it might be suggesting right if you want to track your food and we need to do that to to achieve x here are some suggestions and um, options for you to choose from we could use my fitness pal and i can show you how to use that properly um you could write it down in a little diary or you could take pictures of your food um which one do you think you could do i'll pick that one brilliant and how long do you want to start to track and record your your consumption of food for is it do you want to start with one day and see how we go and catch up after that day do you want to do two do you want to do so what do you want to do moving forward and what do you feel you could be successful in doing moving forward just the very first step i'll try one day brilliant so we're, we're using this and we're doing it for this amount of time right so that's the summary of what we're doing in regards to making this element improved is there anything you can see that could stop you doing those two things if that's a no great let's crack on if it's a yes let's address it there and then so what you're effectively doing is creating autonomy measuring their competence how many days do you feel you can do and what could you feel you could do you're creating competence and then you're summarizing right this is what we're doing to play it back to you and is and you're then sense checking any type of objections or barriers moving forward that allow them to take action on those things so you're helping them remove those barriers take action close the feedback loop and then continue so that is what i would do pick your battles with this don't try and fix everything try and home in on one or two things which will make them feel successful which will motivate them higher and be more adherent moving forward once you've now had one or two things then you can move on to the next and so forth and so forth so that is how i would deal with that and throw back any questions because i know this person's watching or was watching maybe next one down i am planning a social media competition for my boot camp i'm going to give away one boot camp space to someone who likes comments shares my post the competition will run from monday to sunday and i will build a bit of excitement on the lead up to the competition starting i'm thinking about running a 7 to 14 day accountability challenge for anyone who enters but doesn't win i will also message everybody who enters and then thank them for taking part have i missed anything do you have any tips or how i can make the competition better 
Um, wow. So I'll pick apart the information that I've got here. Um, real table. Um, so the first thing is I would make, I, I wouldn't build a bit of excitement. I would try and make this look like the best thing that's ever happened on ever, right? Really, really, really big it up, really big it up. Um, don't hide behind this. Like they can win, uh, they can win a whole month worth of exercise from a professional in a community being coached being supported like make it sound incredible we downplay our service way too much make it sound incredible don't label it as free label it to the value of right again win a free space or win a month's worth of um, group coaching in my boot camp to the value of this where it's going to help you achieve X, Y, and Z. Again, don't just throw the features of the service on the front end and expect people to get excited about it. Really oversell what the outcome is, why, what people are going to get through entering, you know, the value of it, but not just the monetary value, like the value of them achieving what they want or kickstarting things. So make it sound fucking incredible. Get people incredibly excited about it, right? Talk about it all the time. If you're really excited about something, you will not shut your face about it. And so don't do that on social media. Like, don't shut your face about it. Speak about it all the time. Get people excited about it massively. So that's, those are the two massive things that I see. We don't, we don't big our service up enough. We don't make it sound incredible, like it's unmissable. Um, so that's the first thing, but the second thing is, um, I would start to think about, right. I would start to think about how you're going to collate those, those leads or those, those contact details. So if I like comment and share, how am I going to re how are you going to remarket to them for the 47 day accountability challenge? How are you going to collate that database? So is there a landing page in there that people have to put their details into to confirm that they've liked, commented, and shared the post? Or is there software you're going to do that's going to drag the contact details off, off Instagram or wherever you're doing it? Um, message everyone, 100% DM everyone who enters. Definitely get a little bit of a template together for that. Um, I think a 14 day challenge works really, really well. I think you could always, I think you could all, and this, even if it's a simple question is what's your biggest struggle right now trying to achieve your goal. The reason why I say that is because in our nurturing of those people who enter the competition, it's always, incredibly useful to know exactly what they're trying they're being challenged by which will make the nurturing of them a lot more targeted so where you can get that question in whether it's on 
um, the initial email they get from confirmation that they've entered and maybe, you know, a quick one question survey where they just there's a drop down of all the different challenges people face and they can click it and you can then um, essentially send them the right content and the relatable content. Um, for, and that will make the accountability challenge much more relatable as well, I feel. So, yeah, that's the other thing. I would make the accountability challenge really simple. Um, again, make it sound incredible. Again, put scarcity on it, time domain on it. Is there anything else? I don't think so. I don't think so. Those are the main things that I see people miss a little bit. So hopefully that's helped. And that's a lot. That is a lot. Any questions on the chat at all? Any questions on the chat? Brill, 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 brill. Awesome. Great questions tonight, guys. Um, hopefully that's helped. Anyone wants to come back to me on any of the feedback I've given them, um, you know where to get a hold of us. And we will see you all. Three things. First of all, business review. And you'll get feedback next Monday and he's been there by Saturday. Um, secondly, See you Thursday if I didn't see you today or Friday. Have a top week. See you all soon. There we go. Right. First ones, and if you um, should client feedback forms be anonymous? Yes, I believe that um, the way that you set up feedback forms or or opportunities for to gather critical feedback from clients i think doing them anonymous gives them a platform to have no repercussions back and and be just that be honest and open without kind of the risk of potentially hurting your feelings so yes i feel that you get more if they are anonymous and I think on the feedback as well, the more that you can like search for critical feedback is going to be really, really important. So questions such as what do you think about my, what do you think about face-to-face, -face, the face-to-face -face coaching sessions? Well, people are not going to want to hurt your feelings and they're going to probably say, yeah, good, all right, yeah, love them, so forth and so forth, which isn't going to help you when you're searching for critical feedback. So another variety of that would be if there was anything I could improve or you'd like to see improved with the face-to-face -face coaching sessions, please choose from the below options and then give options of, of how that you could improve and then maybe a comment box for any of the comments. <clears throat> so really, really leave that. I think is really important. Um, advice on online program. So. I think some generic things here um, that would probably help if you're thinking about going online. The first thing is, is who 
Easy Online program for. Um, off the back of that, what problems does the online program solve for the person? What benefits do does working online with someone um, have for them? Uh, what is the outcome that people will get from working online with you? And then I think when you're then looking at like what to like offer, <clears throat> I think first of all that helps you understand what you can offer because effectively your features should be matching <clears throat> the problems and the frustrations of the that particular demographic or client. Um, and then effectively, when you take away your face-to-face -face coaching, what are you left with? And I think hyper-focus on the different features then of what you're left with, and then look at how you can deliver it, and off the back of that, how you're going to market to that uh, problem effectively. So that's the initial kind of thoughts on that. Um, oh, this be a longer one. Uh, when would you say the right time to think about moving from gym shifts to rent? Do you recommend moving as soon as you've hit a particular income target or would you wait until the level of income has been sustained for a certain amount of time? I think it depends on the person a little bit. I, I believe that pressure is, for a lot of people is going to create a bit more motivation and action taking. Um, but I feel that there's some specific things that you should understand first of all i think the first one is obviously the financial situation like by me adding in um this bigger expense into my business what does that look like in reflection of what i need to then balance out with new clients or revenue coming in but then also you can balance that out with what you would actually do with the additional time you've added into your week as well so i think a clear understanding of those things is crucial um, I think also understanding your marketing metrics, i.e. what is a predictable, repeatable process to generate business. I think that gives a lot of people confidence to move online. And the last thing I would say is that when you strip things away in regards to shifts, the shifts are creating structure and accountability for you being on the gym floor and creating awareness of who you are and what you do. So the one consideration I would say is like, what are you going to replace that accountability with off your own back? That's a crucial thing because effectively you're taking away that element of things. Um, but I feel it comes down to personal preference more so. I would definitely sustain it for maybe one month or two, um, just as a generic piece of advice there. Um, but it, yeah, it does come down to the person. So those are the things I would look at um, when moving from shift onto rent. But I think there's never going to be a perfect time for anything. There's never going to be a right time for anything. So I feel that stick to a date that you set, um, Get look at those things and get the information data um, and take action and move. So a few questions that I missed from yesterday. So apologies for that for the guys. Um, and yeah, any of the comments pop into the pop into the comment box below. Cheers, guys.